This week on You Should Be Watching, if you love Twin Peaks, what else should you watch? We've got that answer for you. Also, we talk about what we thought about The Outsider and what are the best Stephen King adaptations. All that and more on this week in You Should Be Watching. Hey guys, and welcome to a new episode of You Should Be Watching. This is episode four, and I'm Chastity, and with me today, Ryan and Greg are both back. Hey Woo! guys. Hello. We are back. Good to have you both back on the show, and we are also joined by a guest, our good friend here at GameSpot Universe, Mr. Ryan Schubert. Hey, Ryan. Hey, how's it going? There are two Ryans, so I'm going to be calling him Schubert the rest of the episode so that you know who I'm talking to. If I just say Ryan, I'm probably talking to Peterson. You could never have too many Ryans There's on a podcast. There's so many Ryans. Yeah. It'll this be very confusing for I audio. will be the only one who gets confused. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just change it every time. I'll, I'll throw a Shubes, I'll throw a Schubert, and I'll throw a Ryan S. It'll be very confusing. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. Anyway, Ryan Schubert, who are you and what do you do? Um, I'm Ryan Schubert. Yes, uh, you are. Schubert, Shubes, mm -hmm. whatever it's going to be. Um, I... <laughs> Do all of our YouTube strategy and uh, work on the curation of all of our YouTube channels uh, for GameSpot and GameSpot Universe, and uh, but occasionally. But where have people seen you on GameSpot Universe? Oh, I well, they've seen me do some breakdowns with Greg for Castle Rock, Twilight Zone, uh, Twin Peaks. That's right. Two years ago. Very true. Yeah. All right, we have this ultimate question for all of our guests. Get ready for it. What are three shows or movies that would explain your personality? Oh, so you're gonna list them oh one by one. This is a tough one. This is a tough one. I mean, I had maybe 24 hours warning on yes. this, and <laughs> uh, it's 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 truly difficult. But I, I think I was able to get down to to three things that work for me. So um, the first, they're all a little esoteric, but the uh, the first thing is a, a movie from I think the 90s uh, called Della Morte Della More. Which was released in the United States as Cemetery Man. It's a okay. an Italian horror film, uh, somewhat firmly rooted in that genre. It's a zombie movie. It's about a caretaker of a cemetery, um, an unnaturally good-looking caretaker, uh, played by Rupert Everett. And oh, I love Rupert Everett. Yeah, he's great, <laughs> and uh, his. Way too hotness is balanced out by Francois Haji Lazaro, who was the uh, who played the like Cyclops character in um, City of Lost Children. Okay. Okay. And basically, the story is how the problem at the cemetery is that the recently buried dead come back to life, mm -hmm. and it's kind of a day-to-day -day problem. Oh. And you know, this the, rad. the local does. Italian government is kind of corrupt and they don't give him the funding he needs to get enough bullets to kill the zombies. Um, it's very tongue in cheek, but mixed with good horror effects. All right. Um, also inspired by a lot of uh, surrealist art. And um, it's it's like super trippy, but super funny. And um, it's got kind of everything that I like in a like truly entertaining movie with... Like, you know, funny characters, scary stuff, um, plenty to laugh at, but also a little bit of social commentary. Um, this is very you. Yeah, and then it like you know drifts <laughs> off into total weirdness towards the end of the movie. Love and it's, it. awesome. it's fantastic. It's charming if you can find it. That's the, um, that's the yeah. Issue. Where do we find something like that? Yeah. Okay. So um, what's number two? And just a, a couple other things on that. It's uh, directed by a special effects director who worked mainly with Dario Argento. Mm -hmm. And then later with uh, Terry Gilliam on some of his films mm. uh, of the last like probably two decades. Uh, later than that. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, so not necessarily the best period of Terry Gilliam, but yeah. Oh. Oh. Um, anyway, if you can find it, man, a great, <laughs> great, great, great film. Okay, number two. So number two, uh, for me, it's actually not. Uh, I went to a show. I want to have like one show in here, and it's not exactly one show, but um, the various TV shows by Canadian director uh, Ken Finkelman. So the, the sort of like big one to get to the United States was uh, The Newsroom, uh, not the HBO show or whatever showtime. Um, and then that became uh, More Tears. And then down the road, there were other series like uh, Good Dog and a few others. The the thing that ties them all together is that he plays uh, Ken Finkelman writes directs stars in the show, and he plays uh, a 
television news producer who is kind of a scumbag. <laughs> um, but uh, he's also got an intellectual side and a thoughtful side, and the, the show is always sort of like wrestling between his cynical view of the world and then also like doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, Finkelman himself is a huge film nerd and a big Fellini fan, so sometimes the show just like drifts off into homage. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, I think the entire second half of the More Tears series is the character leaves the the news business and or actually doesn't leave it but uh sort of starts directing a film at the same time and like reality and the movies start to blend together Mm -hmm. what's kind of cool about the series uh or any of them is that he was kind of like first to do these shows that really became popular so there's a lot that The Office owes to um, More Tears and The Newsroom, and then also um, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm as well. Nice. In fact, the uh, Good Dog series, and this is like maybe even 10 years ago at this point, actually opens with the character trying to get on a flight to go to Los Angeles to meet with Larry David <laughs> because nice. he thinks he's been stolen from. <laughs> That's great. Um, so it's even, it's got a lot of that meta to it. Nice. And so all of those things, the creativity, the, the, there's loads of like really good social commentary about media and things like that. Okay. And the humor, all of that stuff comes together. Got it. If all you right. watched our Castle Rock breakdowns, we've actually pulled a bunch of clips from that show before. Oh, really? Today. Yes, we have. All right. Guilty. And number three. Uh, okay. Number three, I, I, I kind of just felt like I had to include this. There's so many films that I love, but um, to to have something that's actually recent, um, The Act of Killing, I think, was maybe the best film I've seen in the last 10 years. Wow. Mm-hmm. And it's a tremendous movie. It's a documentary about um, the... People who committed war crimes in the Philippines uh, a couple generations ago, who are still alive, um, who never were tried for war crimes, and in some ways are still cultural heroes there because, you know, they won, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, now they're old. And what's sort of fascinating about it is that the director was able to get access by um, the premise of the movie was getting together with them and Recreating. getting them to yeah. Yeah, reenact mm. their war crimes wow. in wow. a dramatic fashion. And these guys, when they were younger, were heavily influenced by American cinema and like gangster movies. They love Clint Eastwood. And they were really into this idea of like dramatizing the things that they're still very proud of, but it really lays bare the horrible things that they did. Yeah. Um, in some cases, the degree to which they might have remorse, but it's really strange. And what's bizarre about it is that it's it's so absurd. It's so bizarre. Um, I wasn't even sure that it was real the first time I saw it. Um, I was I maybe one of a handful of people that were laughing during the movie. I was like um, some kind of spinal tap thing for a second before it kicks in. You're like, wait. I no. felt I felt like I, I was allowed to laugh because the director, there was a, I saw it at the film festival. The director wasn't there, but there was like this uh, pre-recorded statement or uh, the, uh, the pre-recorded statement was in the theater. Somebody read a, a statement from him that said, this is weird, it's dark, but it's also funny. Like it's okay to laugh at it. And, uh, and with that, relates to me is that there's a lot of horrible things that happen but sometimes viewing them through a lens of absurdity allows us to release some of that angst about those things but Mm -hmm. also gives us the ability to look at them with a little bit more open eyes so Mm -hmm. all right thank you yeah all right, the next segment is called What's on Your TV, and we talk about what we've been watching recently, but also we could talk about movies, too. It's it's completely open. So, mm-hmm. Ryan, what have you been watching? 
Um, obviously, I've been watching some Westworld season three. You got to watch Westworld. Um, I'm ha happy with what's happening so far. Um, but and we got those breakdowns. I, yeah, we have those breakdowns coming. Watch it on GameSpot Universe. Um, but also, I've I've been really trying to get away from any of the dramas, any of the normal shows, and watch a little bit more food stuff. Um, and on Netflix, Ugly Delicious season two just dropped a couple weeks ago. I gotta um, watch that. Season one is so good. Yeah, season one's really good. And it makes I, so hungry. Yeah, it does. It makes you. That's the that's the one bad thing yeah. is that you're sitting there just like watching. You're like, oh my god, that looks so good. I gotta make something now. Same yeah, thing for yeah. Favreau's show too. Chefs. Is Chef it? show. Chef yeah. show. That's another yeah. great one. Yes, I love um, that one. So yeah, I, I know that like recently Netflix, some of the reality TV shows are really like hot, and I, I kind of I tend to stay yeah. away from all the reality, all the watch romance. The circle. I've heard good Watch things, it. Greg. I've heard good things. But um, I, I like the conversations that David Chang has with a, a handful of people from different mixes, different backgrounds. Um, you know, he, he they try. It's really well done production-wise, but he's going to all parts of the world, um, having difficult conversations, what food means to everybody, the authenticity behind it. Um, and, and you'll just you'll, you'll stumble upon people that you don't normally think would be interested mm -hmm. in food and stuff like that. So they, they went to India. They went um, to the Middle East. They... Um, they did a whole episode on steak. And then throughout the whole midst of this, he also had his first child, too. So it's kind of cool to see um, a lot of these chefs open up about what having their child meant to them and how it changed their lifestyle and how they see the world. And, you know, food ultimately just brings everyone together. So it's a very, like, familial thing. And, um, yeah, it's just really well done. Only four episodes this this season. Oh, it's so really short. Yeah, yeah, I just powered through it. I mean, they're, they're not, like, half-hour episodes, a little bit longer, an hour, sometimes over, but... Um, yeah, highly recommended. It's 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 a lot of fun. Was there a highlight it. episode, or was it that steak episode you're mentioning? Uh, steak was really good. I actually like the I like the Indian one was really good. Um, I think it's called Don't Call It Curry, um, and it just shows kind of um, the the cuisine of India and the spices and kind of uh, why that kind of spread across the whole world and and what every different region of the world brings to the the whole thing of food right and what, what we and and the influences from all over the place so i found that one to be a lot of fun really cool and they go to, at the very end um i actually had an indian wedding myself so nice. i kind of know kind of the cuisine and they go to an indian wedding in india uh they basically crashed the wedding and they they it looked like amazing if you've ever been to an indian, anyway yeah if you've <laughs> ever been to an indian wedding it's like the it's the most fun wedding ever um and just the cuisine that they had is very like community um you know so many people are there and it's a lengthy wedding too right very it's like yeah all day yeah all day was, multiple days across yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um so yeah I, I can't say enough good things about that but i also love chef show as well um i think it's cool to get like different filmmakers and artists and and kind of get them in the kitchen and see what they can come up with Greg, what are you watching? Right at this moment, uh, well, of course, well, Drag Race, to be honest with you. Yeah, um, talk about Drag Race. I, I, I can't. We don't talk about Drag Race enough on GSU. Spoilers, but um, yeah, there's a, a person on that show that will not be named like Voldemort. Uh, <laughs> it's really <laughs> awkward. That's all I'll say about that. Oh, it's, boy. it's making the show very, uh, it's just the cringe values up a lot because of a certain character who's going to be there for oh, quite some time, even though they've already been disqualified. So, yeah. Wow. Um, but with that said, other than that, when it comes to narrative format, um, I'm watching devs. Yeah. Yes. What's going on? Yes. Explain it to me. I know <laughs> explain we, it to we, you. We have got the videos here, that explain it. Yeah. Check out those breakdowns. And yeah. we also had Alex Garland here. Yep. There's a Shout video out. on GameSpot Universe that you guys can watch <laughs> where he explains it because I had questions. But yeah, it's it's a great show. I'm enjoying it. Um, I, I think I'm, yeah, I've got screeners, so I'm about... Uh, five or six episodes in and at the time that this episode's going up there will be four episodes I believe so yeah just keep watching it, it, okay. it gets better and better um, and Nick Offerman's great in it and playing yes. off type and I'm, yeah, you're watching it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's it's incredible. I think anything that he does, like the world that he creates, Alex Garland, um, he just does it really well. I knew done. the production and, design would be flat yeah. out amazing yeah. because of Garland's name alone. Totally. Uh, but then just watching it going what the hell is going on? <laughs> yeah, it really <laughs> makes you over. think. Um, what I, is the premise of the show exactly? So the premise is that <laughs> we have uh, 
her name is Lily Chan. She's played by Sonoya Mizuno. She was in Maniac. She was also on, in Ex Machina. And so she plays someone who works at this uh, Silicon Valley tech company. And she thinks that the company's behind the murder of her boyfriend. She's that would that is what she believes, and she's investigating it. And so they're you know they're very powerful. Nick Offerman's a CEO, and uh, is he hiding it? Is he not hiding it? Is he involved? Is he a nice guy? That's that's pretty much the premise of the show. And what are they up to? And, and it feels like it takes quantum place. Quantum computing company. As yeah, well, and you don't you're not really sure exactly what they're building. Their intentions are, yeah. but they're uh, you know like Google type, but um, even bigger probably. And it's kind of like set in the near future. It feels like. Yeah, they're yeah, their tech is pretty. I mean, like it's it's not too far off though. It's, I mean, I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if we walked in some right. some of these tech companies and it's saw some of this stuff. Off, but yeah, it's about quantum computing yeah. and the mystery behind what this devs division is up to. Right, and it involves. Um, I don't know. I, I shouldn't get into. it. <laughs> <laughs> watch it, Ryan. Yeah, I will okay. say Schubert, they, watch just it. Just check it out. I think you would like it. I think you would like it. All right, Schubert, what are you watching? Um, okay, I'm watching a lot of things. But, um, and I'm only an episode in, but shout out to Better Call Saul. That was the Hell best yes. show two years ago. I think I talked about this last week. And you did. It, it, everyone should absolutely watch We're it. We're going to be bringing this up, I think, every week. It's, <laughs> it's absolutely great. And uh, it transcends Breaking Bad, even though it's finally starting to catch up to that timeline. Wow. Do you agree? I think I do, because I think that the um, degree of difficulty to make this as high quality and entertaining of a show is even harder after going through Breaking Bad and dealing with kind of, uh, you know, Walter, Walter White becoming like this kingpin, this is like a lot of like legalities like in the courtroom and it makes it so interesting and they write themselves into a hole and then they get themselves out of it and you're just like, wow, this is incredibly done I feel and like thought out. I feel like a TV hipster because I'm like, Frasier did it first. Sorry. <laughs> Larry did uh, Again with the Frasier. Well, they did. <laughs> yes. No, that's, okay. Sorry. But it, it's, no, also, that's it's also great because it's a, it's a you know, beautiful character study of, of really everyone who's in it. Like, yeah. you know, it's not just uh, Jimmy or the Bob Odenkirk character. You know, it's his brother. It's um, his sort of partner in crime, the other lawyer. It's um, Mike, who's in Breaking Bad. It's not just about that the, the, the concept and the story of Breaking Bad are, are barely even present for the first three or four seasons. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's heartwarm, heartwarming at times. It's heart-wrenching at times. Heartbreaking, yeah. And it's, it, it kind of has all of those things in a show that is, you know, kind of bereft of... A, you know, a significant amount of like action or violence or anything. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, and I, and I say the degree of difficulty because we kind of already know where it ends, where the end point is. And yet we're still watching and wondering how it's going to all happen and how you're watching the downfall of a character. And we're going to probably lose some characters soon. Right. But it's, it's basically, that's why it's so hard that they've still caught our, kept our attention. Um, and you're right. They've, they, they build up and, and um, they build each one of these characters out, like Kim, his romantic interest. Um, and you just kind of see her struggling with Jimmy McGill and then Saul Goodman, you know, as he's... As she's he's, maybe the best character in the show. I, I agree with yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. She's awesome. Um, and, and it also has that element where, you know, I think generally when we want to talk about the show, don't bring up, but it is a sort of book ended ish with... Uh, Stuff that happens after Breaking Bad. All the flash forwards, yeah. Yeah, the the, the sort of, fl- right, the, the black and white flash forwards. That we've forwards. only seen parts of, yeah. And the, the show has been, through the season, sort of slowly pushing that narrative a little bit more and more, but very subtly. I wonder if it's going if if it's going to sort of conclude in that time period or not, or whether, I mean, I'm still curious how this is going to go. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, I want to no talk spoilers. about. <laughs> Greg's like no spoilers. No spoilers yeah. <laughs> we didn't spoil, did we? I don't think we spoiled. We didn't. I, I think. I don't think we're so. trying to speak as generic I'm as just, possible yes, with Better Call Saul. Watched yeah. only Breaking Bad. Yeah. I was like, okay, guys, careful, careful here. Yes. No, it's fine. No, I, I, I didn't. I hear you. I, I thought it was fine. I also have not watched any oh, Better Call Saul, uh, but I want to talk about The Good Place as an entire packaged series. Yes. And also. I want to start with that series finale. Have are you all caught up? I'm I'm sorry, I'm not. But you guys can go it. ahead, spoil ahead, spoil ahead. No, I think it's worthy. No spoilers. I don't want to. I don't want to. We, we will we will speak in <laughs> like general terms and just how we felt about it and how we felt about it as a series. All good. All together. 
because this is one of the best written, like high concept comedies I've ever seen. And it all came together so beautifully. I loved the finale so much. And I, I cried. I, I honestly cried. I think everybody did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember the, when that aired and you know, you, you expect it from things like Game of Thrones <laughs> that there's going to be like a social media light up. But I, you know, on on Facebook, I just saw all these people, all these friends that were just, you know, kind of like gushing about the conclusion of that series. Mm-hmm. And it was it, it was a good moment. It wasn't as big as yeah. something like Game of Thrones, but it was just it was the feeling of the conclusion of something that as a show is an amazing journey and it's an unexpected one. It starts off seeming really kind of silly and you have to stick with it for mm-hmm. you know a few episodes to kind of get past what seems like a really really gimmicky concept at the beginning and then it, it then the characters yeah. develop it and becomes it, something so special and that season one twist you're just really you're like oh okay this i thought i knew what this show was but now we're on a different level and they just kept upping the game every season yeah. absolutely and you know you don't you just don't see the the sort of what I would say like the sort of intellectual level of in in a, like a thirty minute comedy show. Right. Yeah. It's it's brilliant. I love it, and I just love how they sent off every single character in a beautiful way. Yeah, it was wonderful. All right. The next segment is called "You Should Be Watching," which is also the name of the show. But today's topic is: If you enjoyed Twin Peaks, what else should you be watching? We're here to answer that question. Ryan Schubert, you first. Okay. What should people watch if they like Twin Peaks? Because you two have covered a lot of Twin Peaks for us at GameSpot Universe, so they're going to want to know your answers. I think there's just one show. <laughs> I'm pretty sure people have seen it, but yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. You know, what I, what I think that, you know, Twin Peaks has is a lot of quirkiness mixed in with existential dread and, uh, you know, weird surrealist kind of interpretations of reality and how we interact with each other. So, you know, bits of horror shows yeah. that also have that. Um, I, I think, okay, sorry. Greg is going to, I think, We'd take that one. One, two, three, go for it. We're thinking the same thing. Ready? One, two, three. Lost. Lost. <laughs> okay, cool. That was amazing. All right. Good job, yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. And also, you know, uh, what's what is a good parallel between those two is the the sort of you know swell and the viewership and the cultural zeitgeist around it. That you know, if you take Twin Peaks as the initial run, the the sort of massive disappointment <laughs> that came with its conclusion and you know the impact it had on you know Lynch's ability to do other things. Um, you know, Lost had a sort of similar way of going out, even though I, I, even though I was sort of in a minority mm-hmm. that didn't mind how it went out. But well, I'm still yeah, crushed. That's, by that. it, but that's that, the division amongst people yeah. who liked and enjoyed Lost, and then didn't enjoy the ending, or did enjoy the ending. So yeah, yeah, I'm a weirdo that way. But the journey was so great <laughs> in Lost. You know, you it, at every turn, the what is going on is is a question that you know you're always waiting for the answer and with each season there's just more curveballs that mm-hmm. make it more convoluted but to me like delightfully convoluted in mm-hmm. a way that, that that's something that twin peaks does yeah for every one answer you get five more questions yes yeah. exactly yeah mm-hmm. and to add on to that again they would these showrunners and creators would take lost and damon lindelof would be able to use that to make leftovers which is feels like a complete version uh, like he was able to take okay you didn't like the ending to all right lost all right don't worry we'll we'll take care of that with leftovers and i think they uh that's one of the greatest shows we've seen in the past like i think 50 years or even beyond that maybe go down as one of the greatest shows ever so you would recommend leftovers is there any, oh, absolutely. anything else you recommend no, Lost. And yeah. if you're really into mm-hmm. Twin Peaks, if you like Twin Peaks, start mm-hmm. with Lost and yeah. then move on to Leftovers. That's my opinion on it. Now, I do want to give a shout out to The Prisoner, mm. which is a British show from the 1960s starring Patrick McGowan. Actually, it was sort of like Patrick McGowan's brainchild. It's a, uh, s- uh, I want to say, hold on, 17 part just like the return was um series the story is about a james bond type uh british agent 
who resigns from his post and is promptly kidnapped. And when he wakes up, he's in a place called The Village, which is this little like seaside town with people who don't have names, they just have numbers. And the, the sort of banner of it is that the people in control of the village, which is sort of like a benevolent-seeming prison, um, are just trying to get out of him why he resigned. And that's sort of the setup. And as the, the story goes on, it becomes just more and more bizarre of, like, where actually is this? What actually is happening? Just like Lost, just like Twin Peaks you have so many questions whenever there's something that gets revealed like you know one answer spawns five more questions like you said it's <laughs> yeah. it's that kind of a show and it's you know bizarre quirkiness sort of fits that thing of like everybody's like way too cheerful until you like scratch beneath the surface and then mm-hmm. there's like dread underneath mm-hmm. and there's <clears throat> criticisms of basically like every form of government every kind of uh, just about everything is in there. Um, okay. And for a show that's so old at this point, it's great. You can find it. Uh, I think it's on Amazon at this point. They've remastered it. Nice. And it's, it's it fantastic. It well? I, I think it's great. We've been watching it actually pretty recently, and it still holds up. Awesome. You invited me over for a prisoner watch party. Yeah. No, I've got a, I've got a friend who's been sort of curating screenings of it. And if you if you decide to watch the show, I also highly recommend that you look on YouTube, there was a guy who uh, got the show onto uh, Bay Area, um, uh, K- uh, PBS, KTEH, yeah, uh, and he had his own airing order. So some of the sort of like, some of the behind the scenes stuff here is that, or the fan stuff is that people don't agree on what order you're supposed to watch oh, the wow. episodes in. Oh, so there's a question of like whether oh. the original... Are they standalones? They're, they're basically standalones. There's oh. some that tie together. Um, and like the finale is like two episodes, mm-hmm. uh, clearly. Yeah. Um, but there's debate over how they occur chronologically and or conceptually as they like build on the idea. And so uh, Scott Appel did... Uh, showed it in the United States, and he had his own order of airing the series, which you know moved a bunch of things around. And you know, if you go on like Wikipedia, like his list is there. The AV Club has a um, their version of it too, which is basically Scott Appel's airing or uh, order, but with a couple of other adjustments. Everybody has to justify why they changed <laughs> the order of things. Um, but what's great is that. Uh, Scott Appel would introduce and conclude every episode when it was on KTEH, and you can find his sort of like breakdowns, basically, it's the kind of stuff that we do mm-hmm. um, on YouTube. And nice. I would recommend that you, there's a, like a before and an after for each episode. And it's like, if you can watch those too, it's great. And he is so cheesy. It's like kind of cringy. <laughs> like he gets dressed up. It's like cosplay. He's got a set with like lava lamps and yeah. other stuff. It's it's <laughs> too much. Trekkies, we've done this for years, decades actually. Too. I, I there are some old VHS tapes where I've seen breakdowns where oh people gosh. are in their basement garage and they got on their whole entire fit on and they're like, okay, in this episode of TNG, but yeah. So it, this is great though because this is this is like that? a <laughs> this is what. Like Should we a, set up a basement with lava lamps and do TNG? I can do that. <laughs> All right, cool. There we go. That's my dream. <laughs> this is great, though, because this is like the 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 one level of production above that. So he's like got the set sort of like we do, or it's like there's some props and stuff around, and he'll do like dramatic turns to the camera <laughs> kind of stuff. It's It's too much. All right, Ryan Peterson, you've been quiet. I was going to say, guys, I've been really <laughs> quiet over here, just laughing <laughs> he's randomly. Just absorbing. Why? Why? Now, he's why have you been what? so I, quiet? I have to be honest with you guys. I have not watched Twin Peaks. Boo um, this man. Boo. I've watched like <laughs> random things of David yeah. Lynch, but I just, it, you know, some people just can't get into it, you know? That's fine. It's That's fine. It's I'm not as totally evolved as all you guys who you guys can, you guys get it. I yes. just don't get it. But knowing the genre and knowing what it involves, what would you recommend? 
Um, I, I would like to talk about uh, Noah Hawley and some of the stuff that he's brought to the mm. table in recent years. He seems years. very influenced mm-hmm. by Twitter. Yeah, he seems very influenced by David Lynch and some of his work. Um, Fargo, obviously, he, he adapted for TV, and it has a little bit of that. But, but more recently, um, Legion, which I know that we're all yes. fans of. Yes. Um, and, and Legion was was obviously, you know, a superhero story or not really a superhero, a comic book story. He's, he could be good and bad at times. Um, but it, it had all that. It had visually mm-hmm. uh, out of this world, something that we've never seen before. Um, there's horror, extreme extremes of horror, absurdness, comedy. And at the whole time, you're like, what am I watching? What exactly is going on? This is a crazy interpretation of, of a fight, of... Of conflict, uh, it had so much in there, and it was um, captivating. It was unlike anything I'd ever seen in terms of uh, the, the the comic book genre. So um, that's probably one of the the things that I would suggest if if I watch Twin Peaks, <laughs> I would suggest watch Legion because it's one of those you know, shows that like I just if you're into the comic book thing yeah. and you're into David Lynch's work, like you're gonna like this. I, I think. So, and, Greg, and you've, I, you've watched both. So what would you say? Would You would recommend Legion as well? Of course. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, absolutely. I mean, they do dance numbers to choreograph uh, fight sequences. They're exactly. Like, I just have a dance number. Yeah. Okay, cool. Just the idea that that came up from someone on set, like, let's just have them dance it out. I love in it. In the astral plane. And the changing of it. aspect ratios, black and white, and just random stuff. And then there are parts where it's like someone's like burned into a wall, or you know, like caught into a wall, and it's like it's completely more, body yeah. horror, and you're just like, what the hell's going on? Um, and then there are like really sweet, genuine, touching moments as well in here. Uh, I thought it was just really well done. Uh, believe just three seasons, right? Is it four yes, seasons? Right? I, we did all the breakdowns. Oh. I don't know. It's, 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 a, it's a blur. But it was all like it's running too fast. It's, all, like, it's, it's it didn't, been gone for so long. What I'm saying is, it didn't overstay its welcome. Like it did what it did, and it kind of lived in its own like thing. Like here's yeah. this weird, uncanny thing that they're making up here about a, a kind of fringe comic book character that not a lot of people were completely, um, you know, it's not mainstream, um, but I thought they did an excellent job with it. We may never see anything like that again. Yeah, Unless I, I, Noah I Hawley, he did say he was talking to Kevin Feige a while back. Um, do more. Let, let Hawley do a yeah. lot more. I don't know. Do I think he's, he's going to be holding on to Star Trek, which I am thrilled if that's I the would, case. We'll I want to see what he would do with a Star Trek. I think I would really enjoy that. Uh, I think, yeah, I think they're planning on a movie, but we don't know. Again, it's all the Viacom CBS stuff, too, so we don't know. He's going to do something with the movies, apparently. Okay. But Schubert, you also watched Legion. Does, I did. I, pass I, your test? I have to confess I have not finished Legion. That's okay. Which I feel bad about. That's but I, I, No, I agree 100%. Like, the, what Legion has that is similar to Twin Peaks is actually pretty profound. Like, the there is a, you know, team of ill-matched people that have a, like, common... Uh, foe which is a difficult to define enemy and that is a representative of like a darkness in society it's like that is also what Twin Peaks is Uh they're very similar in that way and you know I remember it was this time I think three years ago when I think it was season two of Legion might have been happening or maybe season one I can't remember but this was maybe two months, three months away from Twin Peaks, the return mm-hmm. uh, releasing. And we were all talking about Legion as this very David Lynch-esque experience. And with a, you know, with a young, fresh perspective on those themes and wondering like, wow, I wonder if David Lynch still has it. Like... Right. You know, he's going to be releasing his Twin Peaks show, which is a at this point ancient series. What are the chances it's going to be as fresh and exciting as Legion is? Is it going to just be like a tired reboot like so many reboots actually are? And it 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 surpassed our expectations oh, yeah. by, by no a long way. shot. Yeah. Um, but that period of time, that, you know, three months to me was a little bit nerve wracking. I love David yeah. Lynch. I love everything he does, but they like looking at Legion, anything. I was like, man, I don't know if Lynch can, can <laughs> get it. Yeah. Remember they didn't release yeah. anything yeah. during the trailers for Twin Peaks the Return. They yeah. didn't release a single thing. It was yeah. like it was tiny like, segments. Yeah. And, and we were like, okay, I don't know where they're going with this. Uh, 
but again, I thought they're going to be in the high school. They're going to make them do a whole, uh, like every episode is going to have a joke in there for something. And <laughs> right. To, yeah. General audience. Not at all. No. no. They gave it this doesn't hold your hand. To Lynch. No, it, it does just not. It throws you uh-uh. right in. <laughs> it's very unforgiving, but I love that about it. Yes. I have a question for all you Twin Peaks uh, fans. If you could have David Lynch make a superhero, like turn it into a movie. <laughs> Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. Is that your, that's your answer? <laughs> Chastity Doctor Strange? Doctor what about you guys? Strange. Wow. That would be pretty Sorry, cool. this is off, off the cuff. I want to oh. see David Lynch's Doctor Strange. That'd be ridiculous. Hold Ant-Man. Ant-Man. Oh, okay. I would watch that. I just that. think of like the elephant man. Like, what would he do with Ant-Man? <laughs> and then a mix of like Cronenberg's The Fly would be in there a little bit. He would literally <laughs> turn into an ant at some point. Wow. Yeah. Um, but I honestly want to see David Lynch do a James Bond movie. That would make more sense. Oh, my god! Give it to him, you cowards. Just let him just go crazy and end it out on a dream sequence. That would be crazy. <laughs> so we've been talking about David Lynch. I want to recommend an actual David Lynch movie. In, in, if you're a David Lynch fan, then this doesn't apply to you. But if you've only watched Twin Peaks and you want more David Lynch, I think you have to go with Mulholland Drive. Yes. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. It's just like... Mm-hmm. The piece de resistance, the the creme de la creme. It's that is the movie I always come back to. I can sometimes come back to the others, but I, repeatedly and whenever I recommend David Lynch or I show someone David Lynch uh, in terms of Twin Peaks, they're like, "Oh, what movies should I watch?" I'm like, "Just go into Mulholland Drive first. Uh, yeah, yeah, Mulholland Drive is the one. It's great. It's the one. I think Naomi he's Watts gonna do anything. Else. I think it's, a, I think it's he's good got to his... maybe watch Lost Highway ahead of that. Of but, course. Um, I mean, Mulholland Drive. It's it it sort of has the same history, right? It was almost a television show. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, some people want to make the case that they're the same universe. Yeah. Peaks. I believe it's the same um, universe. I mean, in the in this in the scene in Club Silencio, there are uh, two, two Twin Peaks yeah. characters. Mm-hmm. People like to think in the audience. They look like they, them. They look they like them. They sure do. <laughs> um, in fact, I think the actress, the Ronette Pulaski actress, is is one of those yes, two. She is. So it is like legitimately same universe um, <laughs> there okay. uh, for sure. And I guess you also have the Robert Forster connection. Was he in the movie? I can't remember if he's in the movie. I I have a copy of the pilot. Like I have, I eventually mm. uh, acquired remember. a copy of the yeah. Mulholland Drive pilot, mm. and there are some scenes in there with Robert Forster as a cop. Um, I don't think he's in the movie. Uh, I, yeah. I don't want to say yeah. no, but now I, I have I'm Robert Forster in my head there's, from everything. Yeah, you know. from everything exactly. God. But there's there's a couple of scenes with him in the pilot. Um, one of my th- one of my favorite things about that, uh, having seen the pilot, is that I remember when Mulholland Drive came out, and a lot of people came out of the theater with sort of the same reaction that they had to Lost Highway, which was, what the heck was that? What what did I just watch? It's a mess. And at the time... But then you can't stop thinking about it for the next few days. But at the time, it was... A lot of people just chalked it up to, this was supposed to be a television show, and clearly what's missing is the rest of the plot. There's individual scenes that don't make sense on their own that would make sense if the characters, you know, spent more time in the series. And Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, if you don't have any idea what you're talking about, that makes sense. Like you could you could sort of reduce your initial reaction to Mulholland Drive pretty easily that way. But here's the thing is that those scenes that seem sort of disconnected like the scene in the Winkies, right? Yeah. Like the, the, the guy who like describes his dream and then there's somebody behind the restaurant. Like there are scenes like that with characters who don't appear to have any impact on the main plot that a lot of people sort of conjectured were, would appear later in the series. Those scenes were shot for the movie. They're not from the TV show. Mm-hmm. Like after ABC canceled the show... Lynch got the rights back to the show and decided to make a movie and he shot more scenes for it. And, you know, some of them, which seem separate, were actually original material for the movie. Yeah, all Holland Drive. <laughs> you should watch it. So The Outsider just wrapped up recently and that was a Stephen King adaptation. So that brings us to our next question, which is what is the best Stephen King adaptation. So I present that to you guys. But first, really quickly, <laughs> overall thoughts, no spoilers about The Outsider. 
I think it's fantastic. Oh. I think it's in its way one of the best Stephen King adaptations I've I've ever seen. Like there's there's mood, there's tone, there's the way that Stephen King writes characters that I think the show handles really well. Like there's a there's sort of like the um no, to be fair, I'm only six episodes in, but there's the there's the cop who's sort of like the the bad guy or becoming the bad guy, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and that character is so classically the kind of bully town jerk that is in so many Stephen King stories. Like he's a he's a really kind of terrible, kind of scary person, but is also quite the coward. Uh-huh. Like and you know emotionally childish yeah. and like in a way like like sympathetic for being kind of a sad human. And a lot of the time in Stephen King adaptations, that character, which appears in so many of them, is often turned into more of a stronger menace than than that character is portrayed as in The Outsider. And I think that's one of the nails that the show hits like right on the head. Greg, thoughts on The Outsider? Uh, tacking on to this guy right here, same thing. I think really it is the best adaptation, um, at least TV adaptation, I'd say. I, I, I'm pretty sure, I, I haven't seen anything like this. What, what it? No. <laughs> <laughs> HBO, um, they're going to continue to do this with Stephen King properties, I think, in the future, because this is a good example of what they can do. Uh, I loved every second of it, to be honest with you. Ryan? Now, I didn't read um, the the book. I didn't read the outside of the book, but I, I thought this is really well done. Um, I think Richard Price, the uh, the guy who adapted it, the writer um, who adapted for the for the um, for TV, did an awesome job with it. Uh, I have finished it, though, so I don't want to spoil any, anything. I, I think it started off stronger than it ended. Um, and I just, I just, sometimes I just really? feel with Stephen King. Sorry. <laughs> I, just, I just feel like, uh, I liked, I, I think I, I, it loses me on some of the super supernatural, um, things when it gets a little bit hokey for me, in my opinion. Um, this is what the showrunners were worried about. I yeah. Think, with the, Cause I've read the book and, uh, the monster in the book feels a lot more like Pennywise than you see on the show. Um, the interactions are a little different uh, compared to what you see actually in the show because, again, I think the showrunners were worried about the idea of, you know, looking at the monster. Can you see the zipper on the back kind of vibe? They didn't want that, so they kept it in the background as long as they could. Yeah, I just feel like sometimes some of the rules kind of changed as you got farther into the season and you're like, oh, now this happened. Now this is now this is what can go on. Now this, mm-hmm. you know, and then, but it started off really as like a cop, like a drama, like a mystery, murder mystery, like what's going on with some supernatural um, so I, I still think it's really good. Um, you know, uh, I, I think that we could see more of the outsider series, like a, a, a make it like a, a more than just a limited series and like tell different stories of, of kind of, um, uh, Cynthia Arrivo's a character, like maybe doing more things and did I just spoil it for you guys. I don't want to spoil it. It's okay. We're good. <laughs> no, no, that's good. Okay. All right, so now let's talk about Stephen King adaptations as a whole. I want to present first The Shining, of course. Um, Yes, (laughs) it's just, I can never unsee that movie. It just sticks with me. It's my ultimate favorite horror movie of all time. Give me the bat. Yeah, there's, yeah. It's going to hurt you. It's so visually striking, and they're, like, the performances, especially Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Yeah, and just... It's 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 haunting. Yeah, there are just I can specifically see scenes in my head right now that I can't unsee. It never leaves you. It never leaves you. you see yeah. It. It's yeah. it's chilling and it's exactly what I want out of a horror film. And I'm not even going to talk about Doctor Sleep right now. But <laughs> but let's continue. I love Doctor Sleep. I liked it too, but I didn't like Dr. it as Sleep. a sequel to The Shining. I think this movie over time people are going to come on board to this film like no other when it comes to Stephen King adaptations. Uh people are going to be standing for this. As for a an long adaptation, time. yes, it's very good. I just it just kind of takes me out of it. If you watch them back to back, you're like, mm, "What? Where's the Ah, <laughs> uh, no, I don't know. Where's I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I think a lot of people are going to love this uh, movie after a few years. Like, to Dr. be Sleep, fair, yeah. to be fair, I think reading the book was a similar experience. That's what I've heard. I haven't seen yeah. I haven't seen Doctor Sleep <laughs> yet, but what sort of kept me out of it was I wasn't a very big fan you, of the book. You didn't like the book, I know. We were talking about it. You were reading the book, like I like it this week, and then all of a sudden you just stopped talking about the book. <laughs> I think and Lucy I was saying the same thing. 
and she's just like it kind of reads not like a something that was written right after the shining kind of reads like a fanfic yeah, yeah. I, I think that's <laughs> i think that's there, relatively kinda, yeah, fair oh right. uh, schubert what do you recommend uh, so that's that's hard best <laughs> stephen king adaptation so I don't want to. I don't want to claim that what I'm about to say is the is fairly the, is fairly favorites? the best. Actually, I'm not even sure if it's my favorite, <laughs> but I think that um, what I the, the word I would attach to it is maybe emblematic mm. um, of at least a period. I think that after the 1990s, uh, starting in the early 90s with Misery and moving forward, you'd see that. You know King's uh, stories uh, for 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 film and television really hit mainstream and also a more kind of adult audience. You could have you could have uh, dramas, not just you know kind of like monster movies. Mm-hmm. Um, Dolores. So Claiborne. what I I kind of like to point at is before that, mm-hmm. <laughs> before he like kind of graduated into. Um, that more adult realm before that in the 1970s 1980s you know he was a pulp horror writer and the movies that were based on his books were pulp horror movies and you got so many uh, amazing directors uh, adapting his films you know Stanley Kubrick David Cronenberg John Carpenter Carpenter, uh, Rob Reiner um, it's a long list. It's a long it list. On and on, yeah. Um, but what I wanted to call out was Creepshow and Creepshow Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, those movies are like they're they they kind of are in the trash bin where like the kind of culture of horror and Stephen King, uh, thrived in the in the 70s and 80s like king himself was a huge fan of trashy horror films and creep show like are those trashy horror films mm-hmm. uh you know he you know a few of them are based on his short stories some of them he wrote for the movie he stars in one of the segments in the first one. <laughs> That's the one. only thing I really remember. I'll never forget Stephen King touching that. Uh, what was it the meteor? Yeah, he <laughs> plays kind of a dumpski who gets a who finds a meteor in his backyard and is like <laughs> stupid enough to touch it and he becomes infected. Um, also topical today. Um, but the the sort of like it, and it was like the precursor to uh, Tales from the Crypt and like Tales from the Dark Side type stuff. Um, you know, it was this comic book themed. Uh, horror anthology concept but you know super like dime store trashy and uh, I think that like it that Creepshow really sums that up without being kind of bogged down by the things that make some of those other movies great which is the mark of the filmmakers who made them Mm -hmm. you know Creepshow really just feels like it's kind of unbridled Stephen King to me got it Greg on to you again like you just said for adaptations it also depends on the filmmaker involved mm-hmm. with this so like my personal favorites is going to be something like a christine or even maximum overdrive maximum uh, overdrive mm-hmm. oh my god it, again that's more uh, on the stephen king's he loves this kind of work like it in trashy yes. so yes. maximum <laughs> overdrive is just pure king honestly he even directed it he directed it so right. it's, it's, <laughs> it's him film. getting to do the exact thing yeah. i want emilio estevez <laughs> and a bunch of trucks just attacking a small town okay Okay, cool. Sure, Perfect. Sure. Let's do it. Sounds good. Um, but then now easing into like best adaptations, if you want to go critical response, and that's when you're looking at stuff like Misery, which mm-hmm. is amazing. I think the Misery is probably one of the... Kathy hmm. Bates in that movie, guys. Is it perfect? Would you say that's a perfect <laughs> Stephen King adaptation from book to screen? I think so. That I really think I mean, that's it, honestly of, the of, most accurate. Of any of them. I, I, I think that's... Dead Zone comes in close. Um Cronenberg's Dead Zone is like one of my all-time favorite Cronenberg films. That's yeah. so thoroughly Cronenberg as well. And exactly. So I, I, you can go well, on for I'm a giant fan of. <laughs> but yeah. Brian Peterson. Uh, I, I'm going to be lame here and say, I, I, like I said, I don't, I don't like the supernatural as much. Now Ryan liked a certain Stephen King movie. <laughs> so, like, yeah. It's the mouse. Shawshank, no, not, not the Green Mile. Okay. Not the Green Mile. <laughs> not the Green Mile. Uh, 
but Shawshank Redemption is up there for me in terms of like the, the drama that it, it, the story that it told and the friendship between these two guys in prison and other thing. Um, but Misery has a, holds a special place in my heart. My my dad actually worked on Misery. Oh, wow. um, yeah, as, as during doing props for it for that movie, and um, so it was always we would watch that all the time, like growing up. Oh my gosh! When it came out, that, is he, that like, weird? Dad has the log. He <laughs> would put on he would put on the laser disc, the laser disc or the VHS, whatever we had back then, and he would um. Uh, we just tell stories about making it and about how great Kathy Bates was and, and it's, it's so great to work with. Please and regale us with the story. I, I, I wish I had something <laughs> specific, but he, he says that she's like the sweetest person in the world. And then you watch that movie and you're and like, like how oh, is this my possible? God. <laughs> but I, I enjoyed those those smaller scale stories of drama and horror when there's no su- supernatural element. And it's just like you get in a car accident and you wake up and and you're in this home and she's forcing you to write a book and <laughs> she's literally gone off the deep end and just you know the 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 scene where she smashes his his feet you know it's it's complete horror when you're a young kid watching that so you don't have to be a kid i haven't rewatched it in a while i i need to go back and rewatch it because um i just have really fond memories it sounds bad to have fond <laughs> memories fond of that memories. But like of watching it and being like, oh, my dad worked on this. Like, yeah. this is cool. And like, you know, just and then the the horror of, of, of being put in that situation. You can I, I guess maybe I connect more with like I can see myself in that situation and freaking trapped out. in hell right. scenarios are a big thing with Stephen King. You can yeah. read. Um, I would suggest Gerald's Game. Yes. Uh, Cujo, good, even yeah. Cujo has that. You're trapped in hell. They're stuck when she was stuck mm-hmm. in the car and, and with the dog and her child dies. Right. But even from there. God, what else? You can do Secret Window. Oh man, uh, was it the John Cusack film uh, with with um oh thirteen? Is it thirteen oh eight? Then the motel. No, what is fourteen oh eight? Yes, yeah. same thing. So close. Protagonist <laughs> is trapped in hell, and there's nothing they can do. Yeah, and, and uh, it feels like a realistic horror. About an entire you know? town that's been trapped in hell. Yeah, but they got their big baddie. They had a no, but that's they brought in a big baddie for that. For needful things, he still had the spooky. uh, Oh, here I come! uh, At least for the movie adaptation, R.I.P. Max von Sydow. Oh yes. Oh. Oh. Ryan Peterson, did your dad keep any props for Misery? Oh man, I I do not know for sure. I know he had the 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 typewriter. (laughs) Really? Um, that that they were using for the film. Um, uh. Maybe the block that was in between her, <laughs> his legs. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I mean, there's. I don't. I, you know, he, he's he's kind of gotten rid of a lot of the stuff that he had in terms of what we used to kind of, well, play around the house with and play, uh, you know, cops and robbers with and all that kind of stuff. What but did, um, so, what props did you play cops and robbers okay, with so, from what movies? Uh, he also worked on. He also worked on one of the greatest movies ever called Point Break with Keanu yes. Reeves oh. and uh, Gary Busey. You um, mean Fast and the Furious, right? That's he did not make Fast and Furious. No, uh, oh, sorry. I thought that was the same. Same thing. Point oh, oh, no, 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 no. no. Point, point Break. The original Point Break. Yeah, yeah. Much better than those Fast and the Furious movies, which I haven't seen either. Oh, right. I forgot. Uh, it's yeah. the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone Seriously, forgets that. It literally is the same thing. Yeah. Um, so he had all the fake, like, uh, ex-president masks. He had all, like, nice. the FBI badges. He had oh, every dope. gun in the movie. Um, my brother would, would dress up in that. Uh, he had some, like, dra- he also worked on Jurassic Park. That's so cool. Um, a Few Good Men. Uh, random stuff. So we got to go on set to some of these things. Some of them are a little bit like quiet. Like we couldn't go to Jurassic Park. It was very like, close set, like no family. Also got stuck in the hurricane in Kauai when he was there working oh, on wow. it. So that was pretty nuts. Um, but, you know, got to go to uh, like Point Break set, Few Good Men, meet Tom Cruise, that kind of stuff. Pretty fun. Fun, Wait, fun things. you met Tom Cruise? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This what is a long time like? ago. This is it's like a handshake. Is, yeah, like hey, a handshake. Hey, and here's a softball during the yeah. hot softball scene. Uh, you know, signs a softball for us, hands nice. it to my brother and I. Nice what? to meet you guys. Met Kevin Bacon. Like, you know, just... How am I not knowing any small flex? Sorry, guys. Yeah, just <laughs> so now we're all two hops away from Kevin Bacon. Yes, yes. You yeah, all, yeah, that's yeah. Great. six degrees Kevin Bacon. Yeah, yeah. You six guys have all, Bacon. we're all within it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's it for this episode of You Should Be Watching, but please let us know in the comments or reach out to us via email if you want any recommendations for any TV, movie genres. We got it for you. It's YSBW at GameSpot.com. That's YSBW at GameSpot.com. And let's plug our Twitter so you can reach out to us individually. I'm at Chastity underscore V. Schubert? I am Anvil1, O-N-E. I'm at Greg Spot Thomas. Uh, that's it. Yep. I am at Ryan Eric P. And thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Bye. Later, guys. Later. <laughs>